White Cloud shoots. Not down. A rebound. Score! Chandler Stevenson. Rebound goal for the Knights. Chandler with two great looks in that sequence. Nobody is ever satisfied with one. So we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael shuffling down to the goal line. Carlson dancing out in front. Score! Backhand pass. Carlson to Marcheseau. What a goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Golden Knights winning again, this time over the Arizona Coyotes. Season series uh, equaled there at a win each. That They've won back-to-back coming out of the All-Star break, seven of the last nine. They've uh, shrunk the deficit on first-place Vancouver, and they've widened the gap over third-place Edmonton. It's been a good week back in action for the Vegas Golden Knights. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, and Chris Chapman handling the controls of the VGK Insider Show. And Vegas is in a situation where they're winning these hockey games during a low period of activity uh, for Mm -hmm. this franchise right now as uh, they'll only play one game in the next uh, nine days. So uh, being able to pick up these wins is uh, vitally important. And they did it in two different styles. It's uh, it's been a fun week to watch how they've handled the challenges of both the high-profile Edmonton Oilers and then a – trap game in the in the Arizona Coyotes yeah for sure I I think obviously we all hoped that Tuesday night's game against the Edmonton Oilers would live up to the hype it did it was really entertaining back and forth really fun hockey game there and then you know you go to Mullet Arena last night and the Golden Knights they kind of did everything that you wanted them to right we talked about you know maybe jumping on Arizona early because it was their first game coming out of the break the Golden Knights did just that offensively and then it was all about business. It was shutting it down, playing the right way, and earning two points. And, and you saw a lot of range from the Golden Knights over the last two games. What do you think of Clayton Keller's goal in the third period that closed the gap? <laughs> I mean, it was you know, it was interesting, right? Because you and I talked a lot after the Oilers game about puck management and you don't want to look at situations where you're you're not trying to make plays to be worried about the puck and it was a great opportunity for Nick Wall like he walks in great save from Karel Vamelka and Nick Schmaltz just throws the puck out uh, out of the zone because he's trying to relieve the pressure and it finds Clayton Keller all the way behind the the defense like you, you dog it a little bit you get rewarded in that situation it was a good shot from Clayton Keller but uh, boy oh boy that wasn't uh, that wasn't blown coverage that was just a lucky fortunate bounce and an opportunistic play for Clayton Keller Earlier this week, the Toronto Maple Leafs played a game and a player came out of the penalty box and Toronto was victimized uh, on a breakaway. And head coach Sheldon Keefe said, uh, that's, that's peewee hockey. you got to mm-hmm. know when somebody's going to come out of the box and you got to be prepared for it. And it was, it was a similar type play last night where there was a, an opposition player all alone in neutral ice behind everybody but mm-hmm. totally different because it was almost, uh, one, it was accidental. Uh, no way Arizona was looking for a stretch pass to connect with Clayton Keller out there. And Keller was poaching, if you want to use that word, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, uh, playing sugar, uh, uh, cherry picking uh, is another yeah. terminology that we use in road hockey uh, all the time uh, back there. 
and he took advantage of it. And Arizona, like that, that's the only way they were going to create some some more offense because they weren't getting a lot done uh, in and around the Golden Knights uh, anyway. So it was you'd like to be able to prevent it, but it wasn't like anybody did anything wrong in, in that yeah. regard. And to, I'll take it a step further. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the Arizona Coyotes coaching room after. I cannot say that this conversation took place. <laughs> but I can tell you with pretty good confidence that there would have been at some point between that puck going in last night to close the gap to within one and mm-hmm. today a back and forth between members of that coaching staff going, that's not going to help get our message across. Like when, when you when you hang out <laughs> behind everybody and you're rewarded by it, that's mm-hmm. not going to help get their message across that you have to play a complete game. So they will always take the goal. Nobody's going to say, mm-hmm. nah, that's, that's fine. Our, our guy was cherry-picking. That's, that's not how you play the game. They're not going to do that. But in the back of their head, they're like, that'd be good if that wasn't. That didn't count, and we could we could teach him a lesson. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, I mean, it, 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 you're really you're right on the money because again, it's it's a scenario where Clayton Keller absolutely gets rewarded for being so far behind the play yeah. that he's essentially right in the neutral zone as the Golden Knights have a great scoring chance. But again, it, it's it, you're you know you look at it, and, and that's really all that Arizona had in, in the third period. I mean, the Golden Knights kind of shut things down completely after that. Arizona didn't have a shot for the final 12-plus minutes of the period, and that's how you preserve a win. And, you know, as as a, a young team in Arizona that's trying to figure out how to play the right way, um, yeah, you'll take the goal all day long, but uh, maybe you want Clayton Keller in that spot, maybe not to get rewarded for being so far behind the play that he's really not helping his team out, out outside of a fortunate break. Let's get into our game rating. The cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah! Chapman. Yes. Your game rating. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, that that, that, happens, <laughs> that happens four or five times a year. It happens four or five times a year. And and I, I don't know why it happens. No, no, I, I was. It's awesome that it does. I thought you were going to ask me, hey, Chapman, what's your game rating? When you said Chapman, I'm like, yes. Well, that was asking you for your game yeah, rating. Yeah, but I was waiting for you to actually ask me, like, hey, what's your, what's your game rating? Or, okay. Oh, boy. Um, I, Chapman, I, like, yes. don't, don't, don't ever change. As much as I would like you to change a little bit, <laughs> yes. please, please don't change. So I'm going to go with a four out of five. I thought they played a good game. Uh, they got pretty much everything they needed in the first couple minutes of the game, and then they did what they needed to do the rest of the game. Aiden Hill, once again, was really damn good. Um, they played a, a really good game. I don't think it was a perfect game, but it was a good game, so I'm going to go with four out of five. Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to go Tom P. Yeah, like, that's where listen, you're supposed it, to say yes. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more astute, I suppose. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going Dom P, and the reason being is – it, it it absolutely was a trap game. You come off of the high of, of beating the Oilers and ending the streak in an absolutely ridiculous setting inside T-Mobile Arena, and you go to Mullet Arena. It's a, it's a place where you hadn't won before. You'd already lost to the Coyotes. You needed to put together a really solid game. I think the Golden Knights did that. I, I know that 
you know, the idea that that it was close bothered some people, just fans in general. But it wasn't all that close. It, it really wasn't. I loved the way the Golden Knights defended. I loved how they locked things down. They played the game that was in front of them. They did what they had to do to get two points. That's all that matters to me. It's a Dom P. I'm going Dom P as well. And uh, the the Coyotes were ripe. Like that that was a a scheduled loss in a lot of ways uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. You got the Stanley Cup champions coming in. They've already played, uh, and uh, they they should have been. Arizona was vulnerable in the first ten minutes. Because mm-hmm. they're coming off the bye week, and Edmondson's already played a high-tempo game. And if you want to call it uh, the fourth-period effect, uh, even though there wasn't back-to-back games, uh, I'll, I'll buy into that. Uh, Vegas was able to capitalize on a team that was coming off the bye week, and they did that. And then they didn't get trapped into playing a run-and-gun style. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't uh, take Arizona lightly the rest of the way. They played one of their better defensive games of the year and Chapman mentions Aiden Hill and he was good he he, he was mm-hmm. but uh, that that wasn't even close to a goalie win that was a team win uh, by the by the Vegas Golden Knights and sure you would have liked a, a few more goals to be able to put it away but that wasn't for a lack of uh, great chances Carl Vemelka came in and was yeah. brilliant in that uh, that game and you wonder would it have been different if he would have played the whole game I don't know but he didn't allow a goal in the time that uh, that he came in, and uh, he pitched a 50-plus minute shutout uh, in that game for the, for the Arizona Coyotes, and and he did uh, he did his part. But uh, the, the, from from front to back, uh, that mm-hmm. was one of the more complete games that uh, that Vegas has played this year. And honorable mention goes to Aiden Hill, not for the saves, but for the diving poke check. We don't yes. see the diving poke check very, very <laughs> often. And it wasn't uh, facing a player coming on the rush. It was one of those go straight out and try to poke that thing away. And they don't – we used to teach that in goalie school. We used to, mm-hmm. used to run through that in goalie school. They don't have high pucks, and you have to go out there and try and uh, hammer that thing away and, and win that race to the puck. Nobody does that anymore. That was, that was some yeah. old school puck stopping by Aiden Hill. Yeah, I, I love the diving poke check. I thought that that was fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. I, I, I'd love to kind of pick it apart, but you and I have the same game score. And, you know, the fact of the matter is it was a solid team performance. And uh, as you mentioned, they were really, really good defensively in the game last night. And that's kind of what you want to see from the Golden Knights moving forward. Uh, William Carlson doesn't get credit for the goal, but he's uh, he's right there. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, and now on pace for 41 goals this year. Uh, the team mm-hmm. record is 43. Mark Stone involved in the offense. He's tracking towards a career year. So uh, the 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 big boys contributed, even though it wasn't a a six goal game or a seven goal uh, outburst uh, for. Uh, the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. And one other observation, and hmm. I don't know how much you heard about it uh, from the callers after the Oiler game, but there was a few people that were a little sour with the presence of the opposition fans on Tuesday. There was mm-hmm. a measurable contingent yes. watching and hoping for an Oiler victory 
to tie the record. And I thought it created a pretty fun environment on Tuesday. Me too. Like the back and yeah. forth, it was intense. And mm-hmm. you don't usually see opposition fans travel that much in the playoffs. Uh, and you certainly don't see uh, that many of the hometown fans giving up their tickets uh, in the playoffs. In in the regular season, it'll happen every now and then. Um, mm-hmm. If if you can't go or you got something going on, and uh, and it's a regular season game, you you, you take a pass and you, you get some some bucks back uh, for it. Uh, I don't begrudge anybody for doing that. But the the same thing happened last night. I was only four thousand people at, at that building uh, at Mullet Arena, but there was a great presence of the, of the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you you, you you can't take it there and then be mm-hmm. mad at it over here. Uh, and and I'd, I'd try and sell you, if you'll buy it, that it helped the atmosphere in both buildings. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love the atmosphere on Tuesday night. I, 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 and, you know, I, I know I'm not, like, in the majority here, but I don't have any issue with opposition fans inside T-Mobile Arena because it does bring a different type of energy, and they were on absolute fire the entire game Tuesday night. It created the atmosphere. It it pushed things to me in the right direction. It 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 it, it brings a little a level of intensity that that you you kind of get you closer to playoff hockey. And you know we've we've talked about it many times on this show when the Golden Knights go to Anaheim. It feels like a home game. When the Golden Knights go to Arizona, it feels like a home game. It does push that atmosphere to a different level, and I think that you need that sometimes during the course of a long 82-game season. And, you know, you're right. You can't you can't be excited about it when it's pro-Vegas Golden Knights um, and then be upset about it when the Edmonton Oilers come and, and want to try to see history and only leave bitter and angry because the Golden Knights continue to take history away from Edmonton. I wonder if it, it rubbed people the wrong way because Edmonton had that chance for history. They're flying mm-hmm. high, and there's a, a confidence level to Oiler fans <laughs> when they're feeling it. That's fair. And I wonder if that was part of the reason why people were uh, ticked off about their presence. Yeah, generally speaking, like I, I don't remember or recall having um, you know similar type discussions when Boston came to town or the Rangers came to town or you know any of those teams that that do have a pretty big following and have had pro um, pro team uh, you know representation inside T-Mobile Arena. Uh, I think you're hitting something there in that it, it's the Oilers and and this fan base does not like the Oilers very much. No, oh, there's uh, there's a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 right there. Yeah, and and I again like come to the building, right? Like come to the building in give a you know, put pump money into the uh, into the economy here in Vegas and watch your team lose to the Golden Knights. Like what could be better if you're a Golden yeah. Knight fan? Uh, and they they saw a great hockey game and, uh, and it was <laughs> a fantastic too. presence uh, uh, and a presentation uh, the other night uh, between the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights and then Vegas follows it up uh, with another victory against the Arizona Coyotes. Now you look at the standings and uh, Edmonton will play tonight, but mm-hmm. Edmonton has six games in hand now. It yeah. at this stage of the season, I find it almost like quirky that there's that big of a difference between two teams in the same division in games played. 
Mm-hmm. It it really is. Uh, it's pretty wild that the Edmonton Oilers are, you know, just at forty six games. Vegas Golden Knights obviously fifty two, but um, you know, it's one of those one of those weird scenarios where it, the Golden Knights have played a ton, the Edmonton Oilers not so much, and that's what we're going to see over the next two weeks, right? Like. The Golden Knights have one game, as you mentioned, in a nine-day span. They've only got two games next week, one on Monday, one on Sunday, or Saturday, excuse me, and that's why it's so important that the Golden Knights did pick up points, uh, not just against the Oilers on Tuesday, but also last night in Arizona because you want to try to widen that gap as much as possible knowing that the Oilers have that many games in hand. Uh, The play of Brett Howden, looks like there's more jump there. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, right? Because I think that once you once you kind of put Brett into that spot down the middle, I think there's more ownership to his game that way. Um, I, I've liked Brett's work on the penalty kill. I, I've liked that he's been utilized in in six on five situations when he's defending, uh, you, you know, a, a lead late in the game. He builds some confidence from that, um, and I just think having you know players around him like Jonas Rombier and and Keegan Colasar, like you know what the what the expectation is, you know what your job is, and I think Brett plays to that in a, in maybe a different way when he's playing up the lineup or looking to maybe create a little bit more offense. I, I think that his spot right now on the fourth line is really where he feels comfortable and confident, and that's that's showing through in his game. Interesting switch that Bruce Cassidy made between the two games this week. Uh, forwards were the same, but he. Yep. Played Ron Bjerg up with William Carlson in the game against McDavid Drysaddle uh, to be better defensively because that line was going to play and and it it, it takes away uh, from a bad situation or a poor uh, positioning uh, to uh, maybe have something go wrong uh, for Brendan Brisson. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you 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 don't put Brisson in a bad spot. Uh, you put Ron Bjerg, who's the more veteran player, up there. And then last night uh, against a team that's not as dangerous, doesn't have two of the best players in the world, uh, you put Brisson uh, with uh, William Carlson. I, I don't know how many times that uh, that you would see that uh, with uh, with your personnel. Usually guys are pretty much locked in. Uh, I, I thought it showed uh, good flexibility on the players, but certainly uh, more out-of-the-box thinking from the the coaching staff. Well, it, it kind of goes in line with the philosophy from Bruce Cassidy, and, and that is you want to put your players in a position to succeed. And, you know, I think a lot of people will look at Brendan Brisson on the fourth line and say, well, that's not playing to his skill set. That, that argument is valid, except for when you think about how much William Carlson, Michael Amadio, Jonas Romberg, played head-to-head against Connor McDavid. You don't want to put that responsibility on Brendan Brisson, and if he's out there with those guys, he's going to have to be responsible uh, for that full 200-foot game, and and that's something that he's going to build into, but he's not as as advanced as where Jonas Romberg is. So for a one-game strategy against two of the best offensive players in the game, I think it makes a lot of sense, and it is, in a sense, protecting your younger players that are trying to find their game at this level and putting him in advantageous positions. Like you don't want to go out there and have Brendan Brisson, uh, you know, head to head with Connor McDavid as much as you had to go Tuesday night with Carlson's line. And and to me, it made a lot of sense. And it also shows Bruce Cassidy's willingness then after that game to say, okay, now it's a little bit more normal. It's it's not the Edmonton Oilers. It's not McDavid and Dreisaitl. 
go out there, have an opportunity with two really good offensive players in Carlson and Amadio, and Brisson gets his first career NHL assist. I've done this a couple of times, but the top three teams in the Pacific Division in their last 10 games combined mm-hmm. are just crazy good. Like we're, we're talking 22-4-3 and three. Mm-hmm. as as a the Vancouver Canucks, Vegas Golden Knights, and Edmonton Oilers in each of their last ten, as a as yeah. a combined, that is wild. Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg have kind of uh, settled down. Dallas is is okay, but the other two have have hit bit of flat spots uh, in the Metropolitan Division. You've got the Rangers and the Philadelphia Flyers, not great over their last ten, and uh, in the uh, Atlantic Division, Florida Panthers and Toronto Maple Leafs in uh, meandering ways over their last 10. The, the Pacific Division continually has has outplayed expectations uh, compared to what people thought of it the last two years. Yeah, it's it's a three-headed monster right now in the Oilers, the Golden Knights, and the Canucks. And, you know, I know Vancouver lost last night. It was one of those rare games for, for them this year where it just didn't work. It, kind of a dud. They, nothing was clicking. But... You know, you look at what Vancouver's done in their last 10, the Golden Knights kind of quietly going about a, a similar type of record to, to what Vancouver's been able to do, and the Oilers are, are have just been ridiculous. So, um, yeah, the Pacific Division's really good. It, it, and, you know, it it's taken the Vancouver Canucks to kind of emerge as, as another team in the mix there. We'll see what the Los Angeles Kings can do when they return to play, but... The top of the Pacific Division is incredibly competitive, and right now it's rolling, and that's why you know we've we've talked about how important it is for the Golden Knights with this inactivity that that they're having over these next couple of weeks to to bank those points because Vancouver hasn't stumbled, and the Oilers have Anaheim tonight and then Los Angeles on Saturday. They might be you know kind of putting those those points back in the bank, and and that's why the Golden Knights have to take care of their business. So you got Edmonton playing great. Mm-hmm. And you've got Los Angeles right there, still with an opportunity to get back into it in the yeah. Pacific Division. Edmonton and L.A. tomorrow night. Who should Vegas be cheering for there? Well, I, I think L.A., right? Like, I, I know that how, – how do I put this? I think you want the Kings to get better. I think you want the Kings to kind of push in the right direction and and make things uncomfortable on the Edmonton Oilers. As as you mentioned, right? Like the Oilers go on the 16 game win streak, but how do they respond now? How do they respond now that their schedule is going to get a little bit more difficult? They're going to be seeing the likes of of Boston. They're going to be seeing the likes of, you know, the New York Rangers, really elite teams in this league. How do the Oilers respond in that situation, in that setting? And if L.A. can kind of push them and make things uncomfortable, how will the Oilers respond to that? So to me, you want the the, the Kings to beat the Oilers tomorrow. You want the Kings to take care of Edmonton, to kind of knock them down a, a notch as well. Because for the Golden Knights, I think any any distance you can have between yourselves and the Oilers gives you that much better of an opportunity to get home ice advantage in the first round. So you're more worried about the Oilers? I think so, yeah. And, and I don't know why. Like, until I see a push from L.A., I, I don't think that they're going to be able to overtake Edmonton. I just don't. So what you want is you want 
every opportunity to lock up home ice advantage. That's why you want, in those head-to-head moments, the, the Oilers to get knocked down a peg. Yeah, I think L.A. is going to come. I think I think L.A. is going to get it together here. You'll you'll see. You think not just coaching bump, but I think they're mm-hmm. they're just due. They they've they're a much better team, much deeper uh, team than they've displayed. I I the law of averages tell me that they're they're going to get it together, and I don't know how much uh, they'll they'll be able to push Edmonton, but mm-hmm. I can I envision this situation at the end of the season where it's Vancouver or Vegas or Dallas or Colorado and you you win your division and you're going to have to play Edmonton as a wild card team. Like, <laughs> so that you, would just that would be just mind-blowing if if that ever occurred. So you think you, do you think LA is going to be in the top 3 by the end of the year? I think they can push them. I I I really yeah. do. Uh it 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 goes against thinking that sure because Edmonton's been so hot the easy way mm-hmm. would be go they they're, they're going to be able to, to rattle things off. Well, they're not going at a 900 winning percentage the rest of the way. <laughs> and, and Los Angeles isn't going to go at a, at a 350 the rest of the way like like they were in in January. Uh I think that there's going to be a coming together there and uh, look, they they both to me have have Questions in goal and depth mm-hmm. in goal. Edmonton, you might like Stuart Skinner more than than Cam Talbot, but they're beyond those two, and they 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 uh, both might make changes uh, and and pad that position. I, I of of the twenty teams in playoff position right now, you probably have seventeen that could could add make a change or, or install some depth in goaltending. Uh, I think they're 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 similar in that uh, in that regard. Um, I'd like to see L.A. make that uh, a, a bit of a push. Do you, you know, one team that we're not talking a lot about right now is Seattle. Yeah. yeah. They're two points out of a wild card spot, but Seattle's not in right now. No. Uh, and you think of Calgary as a seller, but they're, well, ahead, of, they're ahead of Seattle. Uh, you, you, Nashville, well, I think, is overachieved. Three in a row? And Nashville's overachieved compared to what I thought they would be this year, making changes manager. I know that uh, David Poyle stepped away and uh, mm-hmm. Barry's taken over, and, but they made a change of coach too. Uh, talked to Andrew Burnett today too. Uh, what an awesome dude. Uh, I'll tell you guys more about that next week, but uh, but Bruno is a, is a really cool guy. Um, Seattle's, Seattle's got to hop a few teams right now. they they got to get going. They do, um, you know, in the Calgary Flames, they've they've won three in a row. They've they're they're two and zero out of their break, like, and they've looked really good doing it. Um, you know that that last spot. If you assume L.A. is going to get it together, then you're looking at what is it? St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, Seattle, and and even Arizona and and Minnesota. The outside chance, like those are the teams that are in the mix for that final playoff spot. It's going to be a really really fun push to the end of the season because you know you could tell me you can sell me on st louis you can sell me on nashville uh to a degree i think you could even sell me on calgary and seattle like it's wide open for those teams i think you've got eight teams battling for three spots because Ed- edmonton's in there Ed- edmonton's not l- locked in locked in and and good uh everybody in the central is fine uh, mm-hmm. Vancouver and Vegas are fine, but yeah. Edmonton got a bit of a cushion. 
but Los Angeles, St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, can can they convince Craig Conroy to do more than just sell off the pieces? Uh, and then Seattle, uh, look, Minnesota's hard pressed right now. But I agree. They, I won't count them out this in the same for the same reason that I won't put Edmonton in there uh, for for a guaranteed spot. Mm-hmm. Jets aren't worrying you right now. Lost four in a row, but but they've they've also got a pretty good cushion. Sure, and they sure. they went through it last year. The, the, their biggest issue right now is everybody uh, up in Winnipeg is talking about here we go again. Yeah, and I, I know that because all my buddies are saying here I, <laughs> here we go again, and I I think that uh, that they're a different uh, they're a different team, and yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a swoon right now uh, what they what they're going through, but I think uh, I think uh, having lost. Uh, these these last handful of games coming out of the break, uh, and they lost a couple going into it. Uh, I think they'll mm-hmm. they'll be okay uh, a little bit. Look, they if if they win their games in hand, they're still a first place team uh, sure. yeah. in, in the in the central division. So uh, I like it. Uh, hey, we got Alex Petrangelo playing his thousandth game on Monday. I uh, can't wait to talk mm-hmm. about that uh, uh, when we get to T-Mobile on on Monday for that game ahead of the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, it's it's such an accomplishment. It really is. And and as we've kind of documented this week, it's going to line up uh, in a very advantageous way for Alex Petrangelo. It's going to be at home. You got a couple of days to lean into it. A couple of days on the back half of it. Um, and I just think it's going to uh, be you know a celebration for Alex. And I, I think it's going to be a game that the Golden Knights are going to be highly highly motivated to win. He's part of that draft. Uh, was it 2008, uh, the mm. the draft? Um, one of the best draft classes for defensemen ever. That was Dowdy, mm. and uh, there, was, yeah. there was just an incredible group uh, coming out uh, with defensemen. But uh, but he played his, his uh, first year, uh, and, and he got sent back a couple of times. Uh, when he, when mm-hmm. he came up, and uh, I know the second time was really surprising uh, that uh, that he would go back, but he's been able to really forge an incredible uh, presence in the National Hockey League. An Olympian, a gold medalist, a Stanley Cup champion mm-hmm. as a captain, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, winning uh, the Stanley Cups of, with his teams for their team's first Stanley Cups, which is mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, but I also think of like there, I have trouble nailing him down as a player because he does mm-hmm. some some things really good, but he's he's also not this prolific point producer. He does hold the record for most points in a season uh, for the, mm-hmm. for a Vegas Golden Knight defenseman, but he's not like Kale McCarr. Uh, he, right. he he's not Eric Carlson. But he's not Alec Martinez, uh, more more a stay-at-home guy either. He's he's this incredible hybrid of of a defenseman, um, wonderful articulate uh, communicator, uh, always talking on the ice. He's one of the 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 coolest guys to to have a conversation with. Uh, he's he's a very friendly guy. And and one thing that uh, you'll hear over and over over the next week as as we dive into this is uh, just uh, what a what a family guy and what a, what a daddy is yeah i i you know he's in he's an interesting defenseman in that you know he's 
he can score, but that's not all he is in, in, you know, you look at Eric Carlson at times, right? Um, he takes what the game gives him. He's an absolute unicorn. He can play in every situation, and he makes the right play in almost every every situation. He's a great skater. He gets himself out of trouble often, and in, in, in not necessarily creating his own trouble. He can he can roam in the offensive zone. Like there isn't anything Alex Petrangelo can't do, and I think that that's pretty remarkable. And and as you mentioned, the 2008 draft. Alex Petrangelo went fourth overall to the St. Louis Blues. You had Bogosian, you had Doughty, you had Luke Shen, Tyler Myers, and Eric Carlson went 15th to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Now, How about that? Yeah, it's wild. Roman Yossi was part of that draft. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. John Carlson, 27th to the to the Washington Capitals. Yeah, that was good. It's a good draft. He'll play his 1,000th game, uh, Alex Petrangelo, on Monday. On the 17th of uh, this month, the Vegas Golden Knights will hook up with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, we have a couple of pairs of tickets to give away. We'll do that uh, right now. One pair of tickets at this point and then another pair during one-timers. Uh, be caller number 5 uh, to 702-876-1340. Coming back with one-timers. News notes from around the National Hockey League on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Happy to see Patrick Kane uh, about to head back to the ice. Uh, he's missed in the past seven games uh, for the Red Wings uh, for a lower body injury, but it was unrelated to his hip resurfacing process. And procedure. So, uh, looking forward to seeing Patrick Kane back in the ice. Uh, Detroit doing a good job, just hanging around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're right there. Uh, obviously, they've they've got that second wild card spot, and they'll need Patrick Kane back into the fold in order to kind of solidify that and make the playoffs. What are you expecting on the goalie market between now and the March eighth trade deadline? What should be the the over under? on the number of teams that acquire goaltending depth between now and then? Oh, uh, I mean, the New Jersey Devils absolutely need a goaltender. I, I think that we all are in agreement on that. So that's one team for me. Um, you know, Carolina is an interesting one for me because I, I just I, I'm not sold necessarily on Carolina just yet. What? Because they uh, let in a I'd goal from the, center ice last night. Uh, no, it, yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, listen, Kachekov let in a goal Car- from center ice last night. <laughs> like he missed it's, it. It's, it went bar down yeah. from center ice. Yeah. It, it was like a fake uh, dump in, but he didn't fall sure. for it. He just missed it. It was, and to, and then he got pulled. <laughs> and Ranta went in, played a period, yeah. and he was he got hurt, so Kacheka mm-hmm. had to go back in and won. And and you know again, like Jonathan Quick's allowed a goal from center ice that most goaltenders have, but I, I I'm not sold on Carolina, so I, I'm going two there. Um, Edmonton, I, I think you you need something else there beyond just Stuart Skinner. I, I really do. So that's three. L.A., Cam Talbot. You need a, another guy behind Cam Talbot. I, again, firmly believe that. So that's four for me. I, I think if you set the line at at four and a half, I, I feel like that's probably reasonable. 
Do you think all four of those like are musts? I I think if the Edmonton Oilers want to win, they need more than just Stuart Skinner. I think if the Los Angeles Kings want to win, they need more than Cam Talbot. I maybe you could talk me out of Carolina, but that's the only one that you can talk me out of. I'm talking you out of New Jersey because they're not going to make the playoffs. I think New Jersey does make the playoffs. I have confidence. I there. think they they they're they're too good a team they to Jack miss the back. playoffs because they don't Jack back. they don't address their goaltending. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I, I to me, I, I I don't I don't right now I don't think they're a playoff team. If if they get a goalie, Chapman, they're a playoff team, and they're a scary playoff team. They have to get healthy, and they're starting to. I mean, they've dealt with a ton of injuries. Okay, Chapman, are they a, are they a playoff team if they have a a goalie that can Keep them above water in games. Like, I, I think it depends like who a it league is. average goalie. I, well, I think they have a league average goalie. No, they don't. No, I don't think they do. I not think Vanek is a league average goalie. Not by the numbers, Chapman. But I mean, I think you'd have to twist my arm and, and tell me who it is that they that they made the move for. Can I just twist your arm? Well, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm not gonna. You, you have to give me something in return if you're gonna twist my arm. Chapman, t- Chapman. Yes, yes. Vitek Vanacek's an 887 save percentage. It's not nowhere close to league average. Uh, I I still don't see it. I, I, I just don't know who, who who they would get that would put them over the over the top there. Well, Montreal has three goaltenders. I can't believe they'll go the whole season carry three goaltenders. No, no. That's just a I, pain I mean, I would take practice. I, Never, never mind. Because you're always I would running take, into the extra goalie. I would take I would take Jake Allen over what the New Jersey Devils have right now in goal. He's got one and more. I think year they'd be left. better for it. Yeah. Um, who else has uh, has a goal? Would Buffalo move somebody? Would that be an upgrade? Not much of an uh, an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anaheim continues to talk about John Gibson, but that's a higher ticket, and you'd have to retain some salary. Sure. Uh, hopefully, that Anaheim would retain some salary there. Uh, I don't know how much they'd be willing to that. Kapokakinen's getting some interest. Uh, Elvis Merzikens, uh in, in Columbus is, is getting uh, some interest there. Minnesota might move a goaltender there. Arizona might be willing to, to move one of their uh, two goaltenders <laughs> out of there. But, but you're, I, think, I think it's two and a half. But because we've gone so long with this, uh, with yeah. teams needing goaltending, and they haven't done it, I think I will put the number just arbitrarily at two and a half, the number of teams that will acquire goaltending depth between now and March 8th. Mm-hmm. As, as much as I, I laid out four teams, I feel like absolutely should. And, and they, I'm should. Hard, they should. They I'm, should. And I'm, I'm having a hard time going with the over. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think the Oilers are going to make a move for a goaltender. I just don't. I don't know about L.A. Um, I do believe the New Jersey Devils are going to get a goalie. I, I just do. Because I think, again, you have to look at that team. They're too good to miss the playoffs because their goaltending is bad. They just are. We have another set of tickets to give away to see the Vegas Golden Knights against the Carolina Hurricanes. Will Vegas take advantage of being able to score from center ice? <laughs> oh, good check. There's oh, bad, so. like there's goals that happen, <laughs> bad bounces, weird yeah. plays. Yeah, that was just shot in from center ice. I kept thinking, like, <laughs> if, I, if I did that on Wednesday for the Sasquatches uh, on Would our men's benched? league, 
game or the yeah. pickles on Thursday night, I, yeah. I'd be chased out by my guys. Sure. And yeah. and that happened in the National Ooh. Hockey League. Anyway, we've got a set of tickets, uh, 702-876-1340. Be caller number seven. Uh, we'll be back with Catching Up with Chapman next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So obviously we have a big game going on in town this weekend. Um, had the opportunity to head down to Mandalay Bay today and check out some of the stuff going on on Media Row. And it was it was pretty overwhelming. I mean, there's so much going on. It's like a, a soundstage. I mean, there, there, were, there were so many people. And I'm really bad at putting faces with names, especially with football players, because obviously they wear helmets. But... Um, it, it was pretty incredible. Um, like I said earlier, I got to see Cam Newton. Flavor Flav was out there, of course. Uh, famous rap star. Uh, just tons of people saw Dan Patrick. Got to see Covino and Rich. Did you say hi? I did. I said, hey, Covino and Rich. But I, I didn't know which one was which. <laughs> so that was a little bit of an issue. But Was that the, the length of the conversation? <laughs> yes, yes. I thought yes. you were going to tell them that we were well, big they, fans. They were, they were getting ready to do an interview. So um, they, they pre-taped some interviews, so they were getting ready to do one. So I didn't have an opportunity to actually let them know that we are fans and Darren Millard is a uh, a, a big Covino and Rich fan. But uh, my prediction for the game, I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they went outright. I know they're getting some points in the game, depending on where you look. Um, it varies, but... I'm with you. I, I'm taking the Chiefs, too. I think they're a better team. Um, I think Pat Mahomes is the best player on the field. I just think they're too good. The experience for me. Who are they playing is, again? Uh, they're playing San Francisco. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did you see the, the, the 49ers fire alarm went off this morning or yesterday? Well, I, saw, I, I know they're all staying out at like Lake Las Vegas. And yeah. I, I read that. People are not happy. They think that the uh, Chiefs were up to no good pulling the fire alarm. Mm. Yeah, I saw there, nice. there were some... some Lots of coyote sightings out there mm. as well. Hey, um, Florida Panthers had a practice goalie today. See who it was? Yeah. No, who was Roberto it? Roberto Luongo. Oh, so Should have cool. guessed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. VGK get me. Yep. Florida Panthers. Who's, who do you think's building more confidence? Uh, You're a, you, yeah. you. You. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Who's a better team guy? <laughs> Probably him. Oh, Luongo, for who's sure. A better, who's a better company guy? Me. That's lose out there. Come on, that's debatable. Yeah, hey, proofs in the pudding. You, you and Roberto Luongo are basically the same person. Same, we Look both practiced the same amount this week. <laughs> yep, there it is. Go Chiefs! Can't wait to get back at it Monday. Alex Petrangelo, one thousandth game. Talk to you then. Fox Sports Las Vegas.